In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a really creative tongue-in-cheek piece about what it means to have experienced breast cancer. Before we get into today's story, I just want to mention two things. First, have you downloaded your free gift from me yet? I'm talking about the journal companion to this podcast that I created to celebrate our one-year anniversary. It's a free printable that includes writing prompts and inspiration from our first year's episodes with the goal to get you writing your own story. You can find this very cool printable tool at wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn. And I also want to tell you about a new wildfire theme I have coming up in the new year. I've mentioned this a couple times, but I'm going to mention it again because I think it's really exciting and important. This is our first ever long-term survivor stories issue. The issue will be full of lessons learned by people who have been in cancer land for five or more years. Five or more years ago, they heard those terrible words, you have cancer, for the first time and everything changed. But as you know, you've, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, it isn't about that day so much as about the next day and the day after that and the day after that. I want to know after this big thing happened to you, what did you do with it? What did it teach you about living, loving, grieving, celebrating? The long-term survivor stories will be a rich and dynamic issue. Maybe it's the one you've been waiting for to tell your unique story. The submission deadline is December 30th. More info on our submission guidelines and small group writing workshops where you can write your stories can be found at wildfirecommunity.org. All right, on with our episode. Often in my writing workshops, I give a writing prompt that is to tell your cancer story slant. So what does that mean to tell something slant? Well, it's an invitation to write a story through a different lens. It means to tell your story in an unconventional format, such as a pilot's announcement on a flight or a movie trailer, a book jacket, a rejection letter, a Craigslist-style missed connection, a recipe. You get the idea. The point is to take something you're used to seeing in one way and tell it in a different format in order to draw attention to different aspects or just show the story in a new light. My guest today shared her experience of breast cancer through the lens of creating an advertisement for a breast cancer doll she's calling Babby. I'm excited for you to hear this, but first let me introduce her. My guest today is Elizabeth Reed. She is a writer, musician, activist, and traveler. Betty was born in Lisbon, raised in Boston, and married to a German, giving her a wide perspective of other cultures. 
She has traveled to 46 countries with her husband, with one or two children in tow. Travel is the best education, she says. Betty has faced cancer three times now. She was initially diagnosed at 48 with DCIS, then again at 50. This time staging wasn't possible because it was a very unusual tumor. And again at 54, this time with stage one melanoma. In addition to being a three-time cancer survivor, Betty is also the parent of a child with juvenile arthritis. Betty says she believes in adjusting, not giving up on goals. Her husband's also a cancer survivor and thriver. She's currently writing a memoir about surviving leech attacks in Sumatra and other adventures in marriage and parenting, and her work has been published all over the place. We'll get into that. Today, Betty is here to read a piece she wrote for Wildfire Magazine's 2022 body issue. This was an issue in which we tried to touch upon as many different ways that cancer affects our bodies, whether it's literal or mental. Welcome to The Burn, Betty. Thank you, April. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited about your piece. Thanks. <laughs> so you're reading a piece you wrote called Breast Cancer Babby. After you read, we'll talk about your piece and your experiences. And those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Betty, I'll let you take it away. Thank you. Breast Cancer Babby. As breast cancer survivors know, the trauma and treatment for breast cancer often leaves little room for humor. To bring a bit of sparkle into the lives of women affected by this very not funny disease, I have partnered with a toy manufacturer to release a new doll, Breast Cancer Babby. BCB comes with three fashionable wigs, headcaps, and pink headbands. Choose a wig, deep black goth wigs with micro fringe, 1950s buffon style with teasing combs. Contemporary cuts in blazing brunette, racy redhead, or my personal favorite, provocative platinum blonde. Also available, wipe off pencils to draw missing hairlines and eyebrows in matching wig colors. Need ink? Choose a tattoo design for radiation treatments. Temporary tattoos featuring fun designs such as smiley face and heart emojis. Adult tattoo package includes positive phrases such as YOLO and what the fuck. Hospital wardrobe consists of tailored sweatpants, a fuzzy bathrobe, and three Johnnies. Choose a Johnny. A mid-risk Johnny that displays her pierced belly button. A Johnny that recreates an authentic hospital experience by exposing breast cancer babby's rear end. A soft flannel wraparound Johnny with ribbons that tie in the front that would be the envy of any patient. Note, hospital set sold separately. A portable IV pole can be connected to breast cancer babby's built-in neck port so that she can watch the hospital halls with her usual perky energy. Choose from the following IV bags, fruity punch, apple juice, vodka, adults only. BCB comes with her own hospital tray. Choose a breakfast, a cup of coffee labeled with possible side effects, instant nausea, diarrhea, or both. 
a cardboard piece of toast because that's what it tastes like. A bottle of wine infused with metal because that's what it tastes like. Adults only. Breast Cancer Babby's lingerie selections include pocketed lace bras in three colors, pastel pink, neon pink, and glow-in-the-dark pink. Select BCB's implants. Modest mounds for the office. Push-ups for hot dates. Bouncy bikini bombs for the beach. Press a button on BCB's foot and she will heat up from her toes to her head, just like a hot flesh. A small hand fan is included. Press BCB's pierced belly button, and she talks. I love my new wig, but it needs a trim. Want to help me cut it? Child safety scissors included. I think I need a new wig. Do you want to go to the wig store? Note, wig store sold separately. Breast Cancer Babby has a personal collection of signs to place on her bedroom door. Choose a sign. Please do not disturb. I am resting, meditating, reading trashy romances. Adult Breast Cancer Babby has real mood signs. Leave me alone. I'm pissed off. I'm hungover. Please note, consumer must be 18 years of age to purchase adult items. Also, the bedroom set is not included. Climate Change Babby, limited edition sold during apocalypses, suggests recycling her teenage bedroom set because, hey, it's already pink. Ah. I love it. Betty, thank you so much for your story. You're welcome. It was fun to read. <laughs> I bet. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will dig into it. Hi, my name is Bora Lee, listening in from North Carolina. I was diagnosed at 37 with stage one bilateral breast cancer. Since then, I've tried to move away from cancer land as many of us do after we ring that bell but multiple recurrences have kept me here. Thankfully, there's wildfire. April and her team have created a beautiful, soft landing spot for those of us diagnosed young with breast cancer, where we draw in close to share our unique stories woven with common threads. When the aftermath of multiple rounds of cancer left my heart dry and hollow, wildfire's workshops helped me find words again. And those words, Mining them out from the dark caves of my heart in the company of others doing the same from their hearts is a kind of life-giving healing I can't really express in words. So thank you, Wildfire. You remind us in a powerful way that our stories matter. You also remind us that we are not walking this path alone, which is a sad yet beautiful thing. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Bora. Welcome back. Betty, thank you again for your powerful writing today. You're very welcome. I hope it brings a smile or a good laugh to somebody. Well, I'm sure. And I want to talk about using humor and telling stories in slightly different ways. Let's um, 
let's like start with with this idea of telling a story slant. And I'm curious if this is something that you have utilized before, if it kind of just leapt out of your head fully formed in this case. Tell me a little bit about the creation of this story. Um, I have used um, this. I actually um, wrote an essay about um, breast cancer through um, the lens of a uh, hello, my name is uh, introduction. And uh, the idea for the breast cancer um, doll uh, was inspired by the anniversary of the Barbie doll. And it made me wonder, why isn't there a doll for breast cancer survivors? I love that. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking and, and I don't know if this was your intention, so you can tell me your impression. But one of the things I was thinking when I was reading your piece, you know, back when you submitted it for the, the issue, the body issue, is this, this thing that people sometimes say who don't have cancer to someone who's having a breast cancer experience, which is at least you get a free boob job. And I... Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Did I just like involuntarily make you grind your teeth? Because that is what I feel like when I hear that. And, yes. you know, when I was reading your piece, it made me think about that because of this idea of like, hey, look at all these fun accessories you get now that you have cancer. Like, was that playing a part for you at all in in, in the writing of this? It was a part of it um, because, yes, I have unfortunately heard that response, um, especially since um, I went from being a somewhat, uh, let's say, small-boobed person into a bigger-boobed person. And so I did get comments like, wow, you're going to have cleavage now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, oh, that's that's really what I've always wanted, cleavage after <laughs> breast cancer. It's such an interesting reaction. I think people are always trying to find some kind of silver lining or something. And and I do understand that a lot of times people don't know what to say. So they're really struggling to say something. But this it's funny, this this idea of like a consolation prize in the form of a body part or a body accessory. I just think your piece did such a good job of highlighting the absurdity of all of it that we go through, which is, I mean, it's the point of writing in general, but I think, you know, the point of writing it in a different way, because it really helps us to see, oh, that is weird. Like, why, why do we have this? Yeah. Yes. And I think it's particularly so with breast cancer, because uh, a woman's breasts are the subject of uh, so much uh, of life, sexiness, how you look, how you act, who you are, what it makes you, whereas other body parts might not produce that same effect. It's true. Yeah. Breast cancer has the, the really unfortunate, um, I don't know, reputation of being seen as the sexy cancer, I think. And I think that's a huge disservice. I mean, not only is it not factually correct, but it makes it seem like the experience is somehow lighter or easier. I don't know. It's it's a bummer. It is a bummer. It's almost like, oh, with breast cancer, you actually get something positive from it. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas 
you know, if you have ovarian cancer, uh, nobody's going to say, oh, you'll have such great insides now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah. Well, I really appreciate your use of humor to kind of deal with these absurd things. Um, and I liked your piece for that. I just think we need moments of of laughter, moments of really poking fun at how absurd it is that we have to live through this. And I wonder, you know, when we write, we have this goal either to educate, to, um, you know, highlight an aspect, maybe to bring some kind of, um, like I say, humor to an experience. I'm just wondering if you could summarize for us, what did you ultimately come here to say with this particular piece? That's a good question. I think ultimately I wrote it because I like making people laugh. Mm. And I wrote it for breast cancer survivors, anybody who's undergoing breast cancer treatment right now or has just been diagnosed to give them a moment where we can laugh about it and we're entitled to laugh because we've gone through it mm -hmm. we've been there and we need we really need laughter mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Absolutely agree. What role has writing played in your own, you know, cancer experiences and your own survivorship? I kept a daily journal um, for each time I've had cancer. And um, every once in a while, I go back and look through and the chronicle of emotions and um, also responses to what people say and do comes back as if it were yesterday. And in some ways, um, it's, it's really good to feel that, to remember what it was, what it was like, um, because it just makes today so much more alive and so much more important. Mm, I love that. And I think that's a really good segue into the next question I wanted to ask you, which had to do with um, a phrase that you had in your bio. You wrote that you believe strongly in adjusting and not giving up on your goals. And you mentioned this, of course, with you guard, you know, to your own cancer experience, but you also mentioned and shared with us that your husband has been through a cancer experience himself. So I'm just kind of curious if you could share with us a little bit about not only what this means to you, this adjusting your goals, but I'm just so curious about the learning of that lesson, because I think that there's a lot of and, and this isn't to be confused with a silver lining with cancer at all, but there are so many things we learn about how to live through an experience of cancer. And I'm wondering if this is one of those things that you, you had to learn through that process. Yes. I think that process actually started with my daughter's chronic illness. She was diagnosed at the age of three and it's been a long road. But she is 25, she can ski, she's a professional musician. But there are many things along the way that she wanted to do and could not. 
she would never be able to play on the high school soccer team. Mm. She just didn't have that capability, the physical capability. So she played on a volunteer soccer team and had a great time. And so that was an example of not giving up, just adjusting. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, for um, cancer, breast cancer has um, has some limits. Uh, for example, not going into a hot tub, mm -hmm. avoiding that. Um, and I, you know, it's not something that I do regularly, but every once in a while, I'll take a dip. And to me, that's also an adjustment, not giving up on something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I like that. It's interesting too, you know, when I think about the time that it takes to to face cancer, you know, all of that time spent in doctor's offices and having scans and then, the, you know, going to chemo, not to mention all those days of radiation, plus healing from surgeries. Um, and then other days when you just don't feel that great, you know, um, and it just makes me think about those days from my own story that I had to kind of adjust as well. You know, I remember so distinctly feeling like I was kind of missing out on things or especially during the summer, you know, literally hearing my neighbors having barbecues or, you know, various things that I I could get caught up in feeling sorry for myself. And so I like your idea of just an adjustment, like maybe, maybe we're not going to experience X, Y, or Z today, but we could another day in a slightly different way, perhaps, and, and still have it. Right. Yeah. It'll be there. Exactly. It takes, I think, a little bit of trust, right? That I, I guess trust that it'll still be there for another day, but also maybe a little consolation for others to realize they're not alone in, in feeling that way or having to make those adjustments too. Yes. Um, I remember one instance um, where our neighbors were having a holiday party and uh, I was recovering from surgery um, and having chemo. So, of course, I, I couldn't go over. And there are next door, it was winter, but I could see all the lights. I could hear all the voices. And um, some friends came over and just left a plate of goodies at my door and a glass of wine, which of course tasted like metal, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was such a nice gesture of knowing uh, that they were thinking of me and that I could participate in a very small way at home. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that um, too, because I think even though we have experienced cancer, it doesn't necessarily mean that we know exactly how to show up for someone else, you know, in their own experience or just because we've experienced hardships doesn't necessarily mean we know what's needed. And that little gesture, just to know that you were on someone's mind is so meaningful and you didn't have to do anything, you know, like it wasn't someone saying, Hey, let us know if you want a door delivery or whatever, you know, there was no right. onus put on you in that moment. Um, I really like that. 
Yeah, it was very special. <laughs> yeah. Well, my last question is kind of related. Um, I'm just curious if, you know, so cancer has played this role in your marriage. And I'm just curious if you have taken anything from the fact that you both have experienced cancer. Now you've both been caregivers in various ways within your marriage. If there's any any little tip or anything you've kind of gleaned from that for how how marriage works or how you show up for each other? Um, I will say that it was much harder emotionally for me to watch my husband mm. going through surgery and treatment than it was for me to go through it. And uh, one thing that I realized at the very beginning was that um, I have a form of PTSD. And so every cancer diagnosis, and sometimes when I hear friends' cancer diagnosis, um, it acts up. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was happening. And so called my psychiatrist, my therapist right away. So that's one thing that I have become much more aware of in our marriage is that I need to watch that. Sometimes it's easy to expect our partners to notice, mm. um, but I have to watch it. And um, I think that um, my husband was very positive all throughout his experience. Um, also, I uh, had a sense of humor and uh, that helped us both get through it and our kids too. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it also, I've been thinking a lot about this idea that the ways, it's it's kind of a two-pronged thing. What I want to say is the ways that we have been affected by traumas throughout our experiences are going to show up again in a cancer experience. And like you said, too, with your own um, feelings of PTSD, makes sense that it would show up for you you know, in watching someone else go through it. But it's interesting too, how the various ways that we cope with various traumas or, you know, just hard things also will be useful in a cancer experience as well. And kind of our natural inclination, it sounds like your family uses humor a lot. You know, it's going to be that thing that's in your pocket. It doesn't have to be a new set of coping skills. You know, you can utilize the past ones. And I'm just realizing that maybe that is another thing that comes with breast cancer. Babby is like a little toolkit, right? <laughs> all your past, <laughs> all your past coping skills. Here they are. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh, my mind's racing with ideas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, last thing. Um, so you're a prolific writer. Will you tell us where we can, and I'm talking about listeners, where listeners can find you online and read more of your wonderful writing? Thank you, April. Sure. I have a website. It is Betty Reed Writes, and that is Betty, R-E-E-D, writes, as in writers, uh, dot com. So you can find me there. Excellent. We will definitely be linking to you. Well, thank you so much for coming on and reading your story today and for this wonderful chat. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. Thank you. So my guest today was Elizabeth Betty Reed. Her piece was called Breast Cancer Babby from our June-July 2022 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Body. And I am April Stearns. You've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 38 issues in the Wildfire Archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. And here is your writing prompt. I want you to tell your own story slant. Again, that means telling your story in an unconventional format, such as a movie trailer, a rejection letter, a Craigslist-style misconnection, or an advertisement like the one we heard today. Set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping or editing. There's lots of room for editing later, and there's magic in keeping your fingers moving. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.